What's going on, coaches? Our newest episode of RTP Install on RTP Premium is now up. Uh, now Coach Walls goes over the sale concept, um, and it is a really, really good video for you guys. Uh, make sure you go to our website, runthepower.com, and go check that out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by JTO Sullivan's The RPO Framework, A Roadmap to Success, uh, which is a course that he has created over RPOs. JTO Sullivan uh, is a former NFL quarterback. He's been on a few of our podcasts that you guys have heard and now he's got a course all over RPOs where he dives into it as a coach for a quarterback and for the casual fan. Understanding the core components of RPO and the way RPOs are constructed, taught, and executed is a great way to jump and accelerate your football IQ. In the RPO framework, a roadmap to success, he'll walk you step-by-step step through the entire process of understanding, executing, teaching, building, and appreciating RPOs. Great RPOs are made and understood from a macro and micro perspective. In this course, he will show you a proven step-by-step -step process that can take your RPO understanding to the next level. To get this course for yourself, type in rtpschool.com, and then when you pull it up to order, type in the coupon code RTP15 for a 15% discount. Again, that's rtpschool.com. Use the code RTP15 for a 15% discount on his RPO course. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Charles Watkins. Coach Watkins is the DC at Concordia University in Chicago, Illinois. Listen as we talk with Watkins about his amazing football journey through college football, his defensive philosophy, and how he likes to pressure and cover teams at Concordia University. You can follow Coach Watkins on Twitter at CoachWatkinsCUC. Hope you guys enjoy. So, you know, I'm Coach Watkins, uh, I've been very fortunate uh, to, to play uh, college football. Started out playing uh, at Duke University under David Cutcliffe. We was his first recruiting class. Uh, did that, was able to, um, got it graduated early, had one extra year, wanted to go back home and uh, play at Wagner for a year, was able to get my master's in education. Uh, then from there, uh, was still, you know, didn't, didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I uh, know I still wanted to play football. Uh, had an agent at the time, and he was like, hey, you can go overseas or you can play arena ball. Uh, and then I was like, all right, let's go. Where are we going to play? And he was like, Iowa. So I was like, okay. You know, that's, that's definitely a new adventure. So I went out to Iowa, played out uh, Cedar Rapids, Titans, did that for, for two years. Uh, that was a great, unbelievable opportunity there. Had a great staff, uh, great guys I met there. Uh, and then from there, I met with um, Coach Staker, he was going into his first year uh, as the head coach at Coke College right there in Cedar Rapids. And uh, me being an offensive guy, I, you know, play receiver, uh, was, was super excited to go ahead and start coaching on the office end, but they only had a, a position coaching on defense. So I interviewed for it. Uh, I don't think I did good, uh, but I was, uh, I guess I was a likable guy. He definitely took a chance on me. Uh, coach Adwater was the defensive coordinator there. Uh, he's been, I think, there for almost 30 years before he retired, and he just took a chance on me, a young, young pup guy that never coached defense, um, but they, they made me the DV coach, and, which was a blessing because I was, you know, I just wanted to be a sponge. I wanted to learn everything from him. I definitely wanted to learn what the defense were thinking. You know, from there, I had an offensive mindset, so I wanted to learn how the defense were game planning, so that year for me was, um, it was a humble experience. I thought I knew it all, and I realized I knew nothing. So just working with him, worked with uh, the rest of the staff was great. 
that following year, uh, Coach Atwood retired. We brought in a new, uh, new DC, uh, Nick Schroeder. And I think from having Larry Atwater, I learned uh, just the, the playbook, learning the ins and out, the different coverages, different scheme, how everything went together. And then with Nick Schroeder coming in, he's probably the most uh, disciplined, well-prepared coach I've ever been around. So you put those two together, you, you have Charles Watkins. So I'm very uh, blessed to have those, to work under those two defensive coordinators. That was amazing. Uh, then I was there, I was at Kofor for two years. Um, from there, uh, had the itch to get back on the offensive side. Was very fortunate to get a job down in Oklahoma at Southeastern Oklahoma State. I uh, was there for about three or four months. Rutgers had a GA position open. Uh, was there, I interviewed for it, got it, uh, worked under Coach Ash. And then that was, that was great. Got to work with Lester Herb for a season. Uh, unbelievable talent there. We couldn't actually get it to uh, translate to the field. But that was an unbelievable experience. I'm from New Jersey. I'm from Camden. So to, to be in the Big Ten, to be back in the home state at Rutgers was an unbelievable uh, opportunity for me. My, my family was able to see me coach, uh, see, you know, be able to spend Saturdays with them after the games was great. Uh, but then that December, uh, Coach, coach uh, Jason Albury uh, got the job uh, here. He needed a defensive coordinator, and I met him when I was at Co. I recruited. Uh, his his high school, he was the head coach at Julia West for uh, 16 years, and I recruited him, stayed in contact. Uh, he had he had a good quarterback there that I thought we would probably get to walk on at Rutgers. Uh, so we, had, we still stayed in touch, and when he got the job, uh, I joked with him. I was the second call. His first call was to his OC. Uh, second call was to me, and he asked me if I wanted it, and I was like, absolutely. So uh, for him to you know, take a chance on me was another blessing. Uh, last year, I was the youngest defensive coordinator in all division one, two, and three uh, at the age of 27. So that was a great opportunity for me. Uh, we did a lot of great things on the defensive end, uh, which was kind of, you know, I say that we were, I took over a unit that unbelievable talent, but it didn't show it in the stat line. I think out of 132 teams, we were like 127. This year, we finished 99. So we was able to make a lot of strides this past season, went five and five, but uh, like you guys know, there's always room uh, to improve. Coach, that's uh, a, a very, very quick journey, you know, up to, like you said, the very youngest D.C. Um, this uh, this year in the NCAA. Uh, were there any um, reservations from you to, to make that jump at such a young age? Uh, it sounds like you've obviously had many years under many good coaches, but uh, most guys think at that age, you know, I would think you would be – I would be a little nervous to make that jump. What were those maybe thoughts going through your head? What kind of pushed you over the, the limit to decide, yeah, I, I am ready. I, I'm ready to make this jump. That's, that, hey, that's a great question. Uh, I don't think you ever think you're, you're, you're truly ready until you jump in. Uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of good mentors in this profession. And, we, you know, we weighed some of the pros and cons and, uh, you know, kind of what, what my big picture dreams are down the line. And I just thought ultimately – you know, it's great to be a, be a GA. I know you had some guys on the podcast. We had a guy uh, that had been GAs before, and they spoke in their experience. And the experience for me was unbelievable. Um, I just I, I thought that taking this uh, opportunity, it, it will be a, a huge challenge for me. And I'm a big guy. I'm a big believer in uh, not running away from the fire, but going ahead and, and, and running to the fire. Uh, we, we read a book uh, here. Coach, uh, Coach Aubrey had the coaches read. I'm always bad at messing up titles, but uh, I think it's uh, uh, what's Matt. Can't think of his last. Uh, talking about um, uh, being in a pit with a lion, lying in a pit on a snowy day, and he talks about running towards, you know, being in a pit with that lion, running towards him, not running away. And that was just my challenge. I just wanted to make sure that uh, when opportunity did come, that I was fully prepared. But then also make it a journey. See what you're going to learn from it going there with open heart, going there as a sponge, still uh, reach out to your mentors and uh, be ready. Be ready for whatever was to come. Coach, you talked a little bit about, you know, you guys making a, a pretty substantial jump, you know, going from 127 to, to 99th. You know, how are you guys going to make, you know, an, another jump like that? Or, you know, obviously hoping for the best, you know, making a huge jump. W what are some things you're kind of doing, you know, in this off season? Maybe, you know, you got, you're under your belt. You kind of get the culture established and things that you believe in. How are you guys going to take that next level now at Concordia to become, you know, the, the dominant defense that you want to be? 
Got, uh, that's 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 huge. I think it all starts with your players, and we're doing we're we're, we're trying to do a great job build a relationship with our young men. Um, I'm big on relationship with our guys. I'm a firm believer in uh, players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we have to use football as a way to teach life lessons and develop young men. Uh, I think that was the biggest thing that from this year, from my understanding, because we, we, we had two GOs, uh, two, sorry, two GAs that uh, carried over to us this past season. And they was just, you know, they harped on how well we were doing as new staff and, and how we cared about our players. I think that translated into them going two and eight the previous season to this past season going five and five and guys buying in. But it starts with uh, the relationships. Uh, then it goes to, you know, teaching them life lessons, developing them, uh, creating an atmosphere that results in positive educational experience. Um, I think those are all things that uh, that can be measured on the field. Because I know, you know, David Cutcliffe always preached, you know, faith, family, future football. That's the same thing that I bring over here to our defensive staff. Uh, that, you know, if, if the future, which we use academics for us, if we're not doing the right things off the field, it's going to show on the field. And we were, we took over a 10, I think the team GPA was a 2-3. Uh, and this past, this past fall, it, it bumped up to a 3-0. Uh, so it translated, you know, it, I think it's, you know, it's no coincidence that team went 2-8 and eight and 2-3 and they had a 3-0 GPA and it went 5-5. Five and five. So I think that's making sure academics are taken care of, but then also, building relationships with those guys. Uh, then to, to answer your question about what we're doing as a staff, uh, right now I've been, I've been studying uh, New England Patriots, just trying to see what they do. I'm a big believer in one high, uh, trying to disguise it a lot. Uh, so I know that they're, they're a lot of their primary cover three man team. So just seeing how they're tying everything together uh, with their, their run package, their, uh, you know, what they're doing, their pass coverage. Uh, it's amazing. I think Bill Belichick, is a genius over there, a lot of different things they do. I'm like, wow. So I think it's the biggest thing for us, just take a step back and evaluate what we did well, uh, self-scout, self see what worked, what didn't work, how could we change it, and then reaching out to other coaches. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have Northwestern right here. Uh, Coach uh, Pat is amazing. He's a great guy. His staff is unbelievable. I've been to a couple of spring practices, and they were uh, very, very helpful um, and allow me to come in, sit in meetings, and, and, and watch those guys practice. But you talked about being a, a one-high, you know, like to be a one-high defense or, or watching one-high defenses. Uh, as an offensive line guy, that, that I understand what that means, but I understand very little past <laughs> what one-high, I know one-high safety. But uh, when you're looking for secondary guys to play in that type of defense, what type of athletes are you trying to recruit for the secondary uh, to, to be able to execute uh, a one-high type defense? Gotcha. So the first thing I want to know is, has this guy played any, any, any other sports? Was he a track uh, athlete? Did he play some baseball? Because the biggest thing is that free safety has to be rangy. Uh, what I mean by that is he has to play from hash to hash, especially when we're in our uh, cover three. He got to be able to read the quarterback, see when he's uh, about to release the ball. He got to be able to, uh, we call it baseball turn, head whip, be ready to make a play. So he, he has to have some uh, awareness in that. In, in that sense. Um, so I think biggest thing is, you know, having that speed, having agility. Uh, for us at, at our level, size would be great. Um, six two, uh, you know, us being in division three, and there's not a lot of those guys around here. A lot of those guys are at the D1 or D2 level. So uh, we're, 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 we're working with guys that are 5'11", six foot, and I'm a firm believer too. A lot of guys at our level could, could either, you know, they were an inch away or uh, some pounds away or, uh, a 40 second away from being at a D2, D1 level. Um, so that's very fortunate that, you know, we're able to still recruit uh, high talent guys that kind of could fit into that mold. But biggest thing is a guy that's rangy for me. Uh, kind of like I say the guy I just watched too uh, for, for the Ravens. Um, I was wishing the Cowboys wouldn't got him. Um, it was the uh, safety. Oh, I can't, can't think of his name. I'm stumbling over here, but he does a good, he's rangy. Uh, Ed Reed, sorry, Ed Reed, yeah. He was one of, the, oh, that's one of my favorite safeties, just seeing him go sideline to sideline. I think he was able to make that defensive scheme a lot easier for the rest of the guys. Coach, you've mentioned, you know, a, a few data points. You know, you talk about, you know, improving your number of wins, you know, improving your guys' GPA in the classroom. And, and you've also talked about, you know, Coach Schroeder 
you know, kind of being a, a disciplined and well-prepared coach, you know, I, I'm guessing you use data a lot to, to make a lot of your decisions, you know, be it your, your breakdowns and your game plans. But, you know, I'm always interested in, in asking defensive guys and defensive coordinators, especially, you know, what are some of the metrics that you really spend a lot of time on? You know, is it, is it your kind of your own P, P10 pr, uh, tendencies? You know, what are your tendencies on third down? Um, you know, what are you guys looking at as far as, you know, how many tip passes, putting the ball on the ground? You know, what are some data points and things that, that you guys really kind of hone in on knowing that I think a lot of today's quote stats are kind of outdated simply because of tempo offenses and the rules have changed to, to help out the offense. So a lot of defensive guys have become pretty creative, I think, at, at looking the, at the different data points. What might be some of the ones that you use, Coach? Oh, that's great. Um... So biggest thing for me, like you said, third down is huge. Uh, I want to know – see, I, I break – let me take it back, sorry. Uh, I break things down a little different. Uh, like it comes from Coach Schroeder. Uh, for us, I treat drive starters different than first and ten. So for us, when we break down drive starters, we'll call that 0 and 10. So we'll, every drive starter will be labeled as 0 and 10 because I found that a lot of teams, tendency-wise, when they start a drive, it'll be different as if they got a first down during that drive. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one thing I think I, I do a little different or I haven't heard a lot of guys do. Uh, then third down, we, we break our third down different. I do third and short. It'll be uh, third and two uh, to, to third and three. And then uh, third and four to third and six is third and medium for me. Third and long is from third and seven to third and ten. And then uh, third and 11 plus is third and extra long. And then third and one has its own category. I found that when you break third and one through three, uh, those uh, data can, can kind of be skewed in a way. Whereas, I, I, you know, for instance, one time it was third and one through three and pass was 70%. And then I, I separated and put third and one and run was 80%. So that's kind of what uh, uh, drew me to that conclusion to say, hey, make that a whole separate category because teams are more likely to pass between 32 and 33 as opposed to 31. Uh, and then as far as the uh, other stuff I like to do here, uh, I'm an old school guy. Uh, we're going to hand out scouting reports to our guys. Uh, I know a lot of stuff you can do electronic, you can do it with technology, email, or uh, send it through a Slack, but I'm a big believer in those guys got to have the, the paper in front of them. And then on the scouting report, you know, it's going to have the two deep, it's going to have our adjustments where we're going to do cover. It's going to show uh, the team's route concepts, um, show what their favorite personnel is, what they like to do. Uh, it's going to also show some of their big plays from that week, what, what was their, their uh, plays that they scored on. Um, we're going to show the down and distance. Uh, defense, defensive code, what I went over, show the guys percentage between running pass as to oppose on first and 10. Uh, second and long, second and medium, second and short, uh, what their favorite uh, pass and run is on that down. Um, then as far as our staff, I'm a big believer in about week four, we got to have a self-scout uh, data for us. I want to know uh, what, what did we do in cover three? How many times did we run cover three? Was it successful? Uh, cover two, what's the uh, ratio between touchdowns and, and turnovers? Uh, bring it down our pressure, our blitz report. Uh, did we attack the man side more than we attacked the zone side? Uh, did we bring more boundary pressure uh, as opposed to field pressure? Uh, so I want to know, you know, during the season still, I think guys can get away from uh, what, what they're doing and try to just straight game plan for teams. But as the offensive guy that I was, I look for what teams were doing. So I take that same approach for us as defense to say, hey, don't get complacent. Still try to find ways to break your own tendencies because um, that's going to help you down the long run and it's going to make offensive guys uh, hard to game plan for. I tell you, being at Rutgers, uh, two of the toughest teams to game plan for was Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, those guys have so many different packages. They move guys around. Uh, you know, the coverage is the same, but they do a really good job disguising it and then their third down package is unbelievable. Those guys move people around. They uh, have guys line up different uh, positions. They bring different blitzes, a lot of simulated blitzes. So that's the thing I like to do. I want to be able to keep it simple for our guys, but make it look like we're doing a lot for the offense that we face. Is that something where you, you know, 
you'll have kind of your base package. You know, you talk about a zero ten package. You're talking about your first to ten, second down, where you guys will kind of install that during the week, and then you guys will have a separate game plan almost for third down. I know a lot of defensive coordinators, especially at the college level, and, and even you know a lot of dudes at the high school level, you'll almost break it into like two separate game plans, knowing that hey, we're going to have, you know, a base offense to stop, you know, the, the openers that they run, if they're a run team, whatever it might be. But then knowing we get them into a certain third and, third and whatever distance, you know, hey, maybe it's six plus, they throw a lot, here's their protections, and then they have a whole different, you know, pressure scheme, stunt scheme that they're going to do on third down based on how to defeat, uh, you know, how to defeat the different protections that the offense is going to run. Is that kind of a little bit similar to how you guys kind of do it? Yes, sir, Absolutely. For, for me, going into it on my call sheet, I have our base calls, our base downs, uh, and that'll be anywhere from uh, first and 10 to uh, second and short. So those are kind of our base call. And then I also look at the personnel too. So in that base call, where are they running 11 personnel? Where are they running 12 personnel? Where are they running 10 personnel? So on that base call sheet, I got to know what the personnel is coming in and then where we're at down in distance. And that kind of give me ideas of what I want to call in that situation. And then you do have your uh, third down. With the third down, you have your third and short, third and medium, third and long. Uh, with that, you have your different man blitzes, your zone blitzes on there. I also have another sheet for bringing some zone pressure. Uh, I'm a big believer in bringing pressure. I don't want nobody just sit, sitting back, picking me apart. Uh, so I have my own category of what blitzes I think will work. Uh, and then you have your red zone package too, uh, which for me, uh, I think it, it, it starts when that offense starts changing plays. So some guys say, oh, the 30 to the 20 or the 20 in. Uh, I, I see it as when does that offensive coordinator get away from his base, uh, his base scheme? And for some teams, it's the 10 and in. Some is the 15 and in. Because uh, you guys are breaking film down, you'll see guys call these certain plays only in the red zone. Uh, so that's kind of dependent. It'll be a, a game-to-game situation for me is where, how we're going to game plan for the red zone. Uh, and that's his own category uh, right there. So between uh, third down, pressure, red zone, and base down, that's for me. And along those lines, with the third down, I'm able to probably get a dime package out there, get a nickel package out there, uh, be able to throw some different situations in there. How do you guys practice those then, Coach? What's kind of the breakdown during the week as far as, you know, when you put in those, those different things and obviously then work them against uh, a scout look? Oh, yes. So with, with us – uh, we we, we got to maximize our time. Um, our, our head coach is tremendous, and he's effective. He wants to go, 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 and, and, and I love it. I love it because that's what we ran. We ran at Duke. Uh, we, were, we were out there probably an hour and 15 minutes, but it, it was very effective. Um, we'll, we'll start out with our guys. I'm big with, with – when we're working on something, I want them to see it uh, visually. I want them to be able to do it. And I also want them to hear it. So we'll, we'll spend time in the, in the classroom. I'll teach them the scheme. I'll show them what the practice schedule is. We'll work on some of the stuff in pre-practice. We'll work on it in indie. Then we'll work on it in group. And then we'll work it on a team. So that way they're able to see that team's favorite pass concept. They're able to see that team's favorite uh, run concept. And we'll work through all of it before it's live uh, against our scout team. Um, and I can go ahead and give you, give you kind of our schedule right here. Uh, we'll, we'll warm up, we'll get warming up, uh, and then we'll work on the fundamentals. And I found this out uh, through Northwestern. Uh, you got to work on it. You got to have some type of circuit, either being a tackle circuit or a takeaway circuit. So depending on the, the day of that week, uh, we'll have a, a takeaway circuit right after warm up, and then we'll get into our seven on seven. Uh, and then from seven on seven red zone, we'll go into team red zone. Uh, then we'll go into special teams. And then that, that next 15 minutes will be all third down. Uh, and then after – it'll be team third down, sorry. And then after team third down, I like to go into uh, – this is something I learned with Coach Schroeder is I have the GAs be the OC. Uh, I was going through Thursday schedules for you too as well. Um, to end it, the last 10 minutes, I like to give those guys uh, a chance to be the OC. Uh, you know, we, we kind of got an idea what they want to run on uh, certain downs. Uh, so they'll go ahead and uh, I don't know. Only thing I know is just the down and distance and personnel. And then I'm looking at my call sheet and then I go through it. So I think that's kind of helped me really prepare uh, for games on Saturday. Uh, and that's something I learned with Coach Schroeder. I thought that was uh, something unbelievable 
that I, you know, hopefully the guys that coach under me and when they become DCs, they'll be something that they carry with them. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I actually hadn't heard of that. Um, but, but I would assume that's, that's great. I mean, not just for you, but that's great practice. I would assume also for those coaches that you're allowing to do that. I mean, it's, that's actually getting those guys involved and, and kind of sharpening their tool as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out, and it's funny, uh, you go back and you watch the, the film on Sunday and it's, it's unbelievable to see that some of the, the calls that they called the OC actually called. So that's when you know that your, your GAs are buying in and they're actually, you know, they're, they're all in, they're watching film um, and it, it, it matters to them. So uh, like you said, it, it gives those guys uh, a sense of responsibility. And I was a young club. I was a young guy. And once I was given a little bit of responsibility, I took ownership on it, and I loved it, and I bought in. So that's what I try to instill in those guys. Well, Coach, uh, you know, now that you're the defensive coordinator, I'm sure eventually, if not already, you'll be in the process. You'll be a part of the process of hiring uh, assistant coaches uh, underneath you. Uh, you were hired as, as an offensive guy to come over and play defense. And like you said, it was kind of a good thing for to coach defense. Uh, it was kind of a good thing for you because um, you, were a, you were a sponge. You had no preconceived notions. You basically, uh, which is one of the things that Walls always talked about when he first got his GA job as an offensive line coach, uh, he could be a sponge. He had no preconceived thoughts on what it should be. He listened to whatever the coach said and, and could do it, you know, completely without any other thoughts or any other ways to do it. Um, but then also, uh, I'm sure there's times where you'd like to have a really super experienced guy that kind of knows what he what to do, and and so you don't have to worry about maybe molding that guy. What are you looking for um, as you're looking to eventually hire guys? Are you looking for more of a guy that you can mold, or would you prefer have a guy that's already kind of pre-made and ready to go? Uh, I that that's a great great question. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is just loyalty. I'm looking for a guy that, that will be loyal to our school, be loyal to uh, the staff, to the program, our system, to other coaches, and to players. Uh, that's the biggest thing, I think, in our profession, talking to a lot of guys. A lot of guys are loyal, uh, but then you have some guys that are always just looking for that next job, next opportunity. Uh, they're there and then they're going. Uh, so for me, I want to I be able to see, uh, is this guy loyal? Uh, is he a family man? Uh, will, you know, will he treat the players like they were his son? Uh, can he make, maintain a high standard, uh, have expectations for himself, for the players in the program? Uh, is he going to work hard until the job is done, uh, not putting things off? I always say, hey, it'll get done tomorrow. Uh, is he, if I give him an assignment, he's going to get it done that day. Uh, bringing new ideas, uh, which I think could be a challenge between a guy that's um, – always been in that position uh, as a position coach as opposed to a guy that's new. You kind of see it from a different perspective. I think that's what I was. So kind of have that challenge right there. Uh, I encourage, I definitely encourage guys um, to go ahead and coach, you know, on a different side of the ball too, uh, or do something different. I, I, tell, I tell people, man, if I had to do it all over, man, I think I'd be an O-line or D-line coach. Look, they're always having fun out there. Uh, but <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I tell guys, hey, you know, get, get that experience, uh, be able to know both sides of the ball. Um, but a guy that believes in our program, um, a guy that sees that, you know, it's, it's, it's one program. You know, it's not offense versus defense. Uh, it's not special teams versus offense. We're all one. Uh, a guy that's not afraid to voice his opinion uh, in the offense of staff. Uh, but then he also understands that once the decision is made, uh, we take that field as a staff and we're all cohesive. We're all one unit. Um, so, but that guy's willing to be, be an expert at his position uh, and other responsibilities, then he's all right for me. So regardless this guy played that position or this is his first year, uh, he's able to teach it and I can help him with the scheme, um, I take a chance on the guy because I was fortunate for people to take a chance on me. I got you. Yeah, it completely makes sense. Okay, so uh, we get a lot of offensive guys on here, and, and you know, you kind of ask them, and, and they say, hey, as an OC, normally um, the first person they're going to go try to hire or try to get is an offensive line coach, one of the most important, <laughs> you know, to them as, as an OC. So flipping the script on you, as a defensive coordinator – um, 
you go into a staff or a new school or whatever, hypothetically, and there's, there's no one on staff at the time, what's the first position that you're, you're going after position coach wise on the defensive side uh, to kind of solidify that defense? Oh, you put me on the spot. I don't want to see like I'm giving everybody an answer, but <laughs> no, I, I think it's very important. I think the game's won in the trenches. Uh, so I think a, a, a D-line coach is where you have to start. Uh, I really do. If not, it's the best guy available. But if, if, if it was it was a great D-line, great linebacker, great DB coach, um, I, I think I had to take well, – I know for sure I have to take that great D-line coach. Because uh, you look around at a lot of the, the D1 schools, where a lot of teams that's having success, even you know, D1, AA, D2, uh, I hear a lot of great things about their D-line coach, from him bringing uh, great energy to him challenging his guys. Uh, that's, that's unbelievable. You know, I was at Duke and I saw our D-line coach and I saw the energy he bought and it was contagious. Uh, it, it, it transferred to the players. So uh, as a, you know, DC, uh, I think I got to hire uh, me, me a good D-line coach. Good answer, coach. I think that's a great answer. <laughs> um, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, to me, you know, all the, all the best, you know, great defenses have kind of been built up front. And again, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a, a great coach that, that leads those guys. Also, we, we all know it, it comes down to players. Uh, no, no question about it. And being able to recruit players, develop players, however it, it kind of comes down. I got a question, and I don't know, it kind of popped in my head to today. And, you know, obviously we're super bored and we're, we're on social media all the time and, <laughs> you know, reading these things and seeing it. And you just see it all the time, like, oh, I know that guy. He's a great coach. Or this guy is a great coach. He's a great coach. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, like, what is a great coach? Like, what, what is the definition of a great coach? How would you, like, define it? How would you measure it? You know, how would you know? I mean, because to me, again, you, you go to like wins and losses. I mean, there's a lot of people that could go to, quote, Alabama, Clemson, and look like a great coach because you're coaching some unbelievable players. So to me, it's not always kind of, you know, the, the wins and losses and record. I'm interested to kind of maybe get your opinion. You know, when somebody says, oh, I know that guy, he's a great coach, you know, what does that really entail or what does that kind of measure in, in your mind or in your opinion? That's a great question, and as you were asking, I was thinking of guys that I, you know, see as great coaches and some of the characteristics that they have. Uh, and I think it's the ability to connect and build a relationship uh, with their position group um, where it's authentic. I think you can see maybe a lot of guys where uh, they only talk to their guys on the field, but I've been around some guys that it carried from on the field, off the field. They had their family involved. They brought the guys over for dinner. Um, it, it felt like a true family atmosphere. That guy knew the girlfriend. He knew mom and dad. Uh, he knew when situations uh, occurred. Uh, he was a guy that the, anybody, anybody on the team could come uh, and speak with. So I think the biggest thing for me is, 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 is like you said, I think everybody knows the X's and O's. Uh, I think everybody, uh, you know, know football or, or can coach it. But that extra factor, that human element, to be able to relate to the players and want them to grow and develop them and help them become that great young man that they know they can be. Because we get these guys at a crucial age between age of 18 to, to 22, 23. We got to help them develop. They're going to be somebody's husband someday. Uh, they're going to be somebody's father someday. So we got to equip, we got to equip them with uh, great skill sets uh, that's going to help them prosper in life. So for me, I think it's, uh, that's a great coach for me that guy that uh, has that characteristic. Heck yeah, coach. Uh, completely agree with that. Um, uh, it was kind of cool that, that you mentioned, uh, you know, getting to coach over at Rutgers. I actually got to play at Rutgers um, against them, but got to play in that stadium. And, and uh, man, what a really cool just experience to go be in that stadium. I can't remember, um, you know, how many years, but one of the oldest stadiums, or uh, I can't remember all the stuff they told me, but it was a huge stadium <laughs> for us to play in. It was packed. It was, um, we won the game. So I was excited about that too. Uh, we beat them, but it was a, it was just a really cool atmosphere, a really cool, nice old stadium. Um, it, it was, it, it's just a really, I would assume even coaching there, but it's just a really cool place to be an old feel of old time college football. Yeah, it's an unbelievable atmosphere. A lot of people uh, forget that that's actually where college football originated from, the first game against Princeton. Princeton, uh, a lot of people see, I think the final score was 6-0. Uh, 
Uh, but if you, you do your, your research, you'll find out that back in that day, they, they, they kept score as if it was soccer. So uh, they had six touchdowns uh, or six four. Sorry, I think it was six four. So six touchdowns versus four. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, they only scored one time. Uh, but I think it's always an interesting fact. Uh, but it, it was great. You know, I think New Jersey has the best fans. I might be biased because I'm from there. But those guys, <laughs> uh, they, they care about the program, care about the players, care about the coaches. And uh, I'm excited to see what uh, Coach Yano does there. I know they have the top 10 recruiting class right now. He built an unbelievable staff with him, uh, with Coach uh, Fran Brown. I know he's a great recruiter. He's a great uh, coach as well. We were talking about great coaches. He's a guy that came to mind uh, because he has those characteristics, but also he's going to bring the best out of his players because of those characteristics. It carry on to the field. Those guys know that he care about them, uh, so they're going to do everything on the field uh, to you know show hey coach we care about you as well. So, uh, but I'm super excited. I know that that fan base there they're ready to explode as you can see with uh, basketball. I was waiting for them to. Uh, make a run in March Madness. They were my, my sleeping horse this year. Oh, no. We'll just go ahead and say they won. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did. That's what Iowa did. Iowa just claimed that they were national champions. So <laughs> right ahead. That's like, uh, who was it? Uh, UFC. They're saying we're the national champs. <laughs> Self-proclaimed. Give yourself a raise. Um. Coach, you know, I always, when I get the guys too, you know, that, that are from Jersey and you, I've been, you know, New York city and Jersey, you know, quite a few times, but you have a little bit of that rivalry, man. Tell, tell me why, why Jersey boys are better than uh, the city boys from New York. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's definitely the whole tri-state uh, between Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey. Uh, everybody's competitive and it doesn't matter what sport it could be football. It could be basketball. It could be track. Uh, but I think what, what, what separates us is uh, we're we're <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> we're Put you on the spot, man. I know you did, you did. I got a lot of friends from New York too. I was <laughs> a couple players, I'm sure too. You gotta be careful. <laughs> but uh, I I think it's just the competitiveness that we have in New Jersey. Um, we're always trying to fight for respect. A lot of people say that we're a small state. Um, and, you know, we get overlooked a lot. I know a lot of people throw into uh, Texas football, California football, California football, so Georgia football. But Jersey, you know, produced a lot of athletes, got a lot of guys in college, um, got some guys in the NFL. So we get, you know, we get overlooked where I just saw um, uh, what's, uh, what's his name from Wisconsin just signed a deal with Under Armour. Um, Taylor. The running back, Jonathan. Um, so, you know, we, we, we producing guys year after year, uh, but, you know, for some reason, everybody looks at us as, uh, the little brother. So, uh, that I think just us being an underdog, uh, kind of like that Rocky mentality just allows us to always come over, come on top. Coach, it seems like, you know, what I always thought would be cool about living there, and it was just whenever I, I, I flew in that I kind of started thinking about it because being a kid from Oklahoma, I never really thought about it because I never had those NFL teams around. But, I mean, it seems like within just, you know, several hours, you could go to, to plenty of different NFL games uh, in that, you know, northeast area. Was that something that you ever got to do growing up? Uh, as, as a coach, have you got to go to uh, some of those games or some of those uh, you know, spring spring ball for football in the NFL. Have you got to take part in any of that? I did. Growing up, I was fortunate. Um, I say my my junior year, I probably would have went to. Uh, if you'd have told me, I'd have ended up at Rutgers. Um, I was you know always at their spring game, always at the facility watching those guys. Um, you know, and then with me being a Cowboy fan, anytime Cowboys came to town, was at the Eagles. I, you know, I'm from Camden, New Jersey, so I'm about five minutes from Philly. So we was able to go to those games, the Sixers, the Flyers, uh, see the Eagles when the Cowboys was in town. And no, I did not wear a Cowboy jersey. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> Good move. <laughs> uh, be able to go to Meadowlands, see the Jets and Giants play. Uh, so, yeah, I had a great opportunity to uh, be able to check out those games and uh, see it live. Uh, but, that, you know, that's what we were very fortunate, like you said, to be able to go to different areas. I was able to drive down. Baltimore is two hours away. Uh, so I got to see the Ravens. Wow. Uh, you know, went there, you know, see the Redskins, Washington. So uh, that's definitely a little different in the Midwest. You're, you're driving maybe two, three hours to go to a different state, whereas on the East Coast, you can go somewhere 30 minutes and be in a whole different state. Hey, yeah. just hop, 
Hop exactly on a train right. too. Yeah, yeah. And another thing too, in New Jersey, we we don't uh we don't pump our gas. So that was a uh, adapting, you know, everywhere else I went, you know, North Carolina, <laughs> Illinois, you, you gotta pump your own gas. what do you guys do? They got someone else that comes out and pumps it for you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so there you go. It's like a job. So you just go up there, you pull up, uh, you tell the guy what you want, you give him the money, and he fills the gas up for you. <laughs> Harp, could you handle that? Yeah, oh, yeah, I could handle that. That'd be easy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't know. I, I knew that was a, a practice a long time ago here, but I didn't know that was still going on anywhere. That that would be an adjustment. You're you're sitting there like this place sucks. And no one ever comes out to your to your car and I like, guess I'm gonna get my own gas and everyone's like, Yeah, that's that's what you do here. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my uh first time uh being down in North Carolina. Uh went went when I was in Durham and stopped at a gas station. I think I waited about ten minutes and I'm like, Man, what's going on? It must be busy <laughs> Where's everybody at? Uh and then uh somebody knocked on my window and was like, you know, you getting gas? I'm like, Yeah, I'm waiting for a server. Like, uh here you gotta pump your own gas. So I, I called my mom and I was like, uh, "Mom, what do I do?" <laughs> <laughs> laughed and uh, we still laugh about that to this day. Uh, <laughs> she always she'll text you out of blue like, "Hey, you need help pumping your gas?" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That I mean, you talk about like you said. I mean, just you know, people from different parts of the country, and and I got to go to New York City all the time because my, my my college roommate you know, ended up being a doctor and he got stationed in the Bronx and, and finished out his residency there. So I had a place to stay and I loved it out there. But I mean, you talk about, you know, all the different professional sports that you have there and all the different fans. And it's like a different world. I mean, you talk about like, you know, Oklahoma fans are, are passionate about their team, Nebraska fans. These guys are like fighting mad about, you know, the Giants and the Jets and the Yankees and the Mets and the Red Sox. I mean, it's, it takes it to a whole different level, I felt like, in, in the Northeast of, you know, the, the fans and the passion and, and the way that they, you know, really chase those professional teams. Yeah, you're, like you said, those, uh, you forgot about the Eagles. They're probably the most ruthless fans yes. um, I ever, ever witnessed. Uh, they, they threw snowballs at Santa, at little kids <laughs> that wear opposing jersey. Um, so, you know, seeing that and witnessing that, uh, you see people care, and then you see it at a college level, um, you know, at, at Rutgers, you know, Nebraska's selling out, right? Um, so it's, it's always great to see when, when, when fans are involved. Um, it's, it's a great atmosphere. And that's what I saw when, when, when I chose Duke. Um, I saw what, what, what was to come, you know. You always want to look for the future, and you want to see uh, what the program was going to be. Um, and, and, and that, you know, helped with my decision there. I knew that. Uh, basketball had a lot of success, and uh, David Cutcliffe uh, had a great following, and I knew people were going to buy in. That's saying what I teach with my approach here uh, at, at our school. You know, a lot of people see our record went five and five, but biggest thing is, hey, we, we want to get you here uh, to be a part of something special, right? I think you 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 kind of battle with that, and I just asked my buddy this, this the other day, uh, and his response it was was, it was unique, but. Would you rather go? Would you rather follow a coach that was uh, ten and zero, or would you rather follow a coach that was zero and ten? Uh, so I'm, you know, he 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 said he'd rather go. Oh, he'd rather take the guy uh, that was zero and ten because he can create his own legacy. And you know, going to the recruiting, that's what you're battling you know, with with us. You know, guys, hey, do they want to go to a program that's already established, or do they want to go somewhere and create the culture and be a part of something special? And for me, I was that guy that wanted to go to Duke and turn it around. Uh, we didn't quite make the jump until my senior year, uh, but we, you know we we had some success. But now you look at Duke right now. Uh, you got uh, uh, Jones was the top ten pick. He's over at the Giants now, and uh, Jamison Crowder's with the uh, I think just signed a contract with the Jets. So uh, Duke's starting to put guys out there. Uh, but you know it feels pretty good to say, hey, my class was that you know that first class that kind of got things rolling. Is that something that, that you get to, you know, sell kids that you're recruiting currently? I mean, you guys did have a two-win season. Now you've got a, a five-win season. Is that something that when you're recruiting kids, you're telling them the same thing? Hey, look, just like I got to do, you get to come into a program uh, and you get to be the class or you get to be the guy that is the guy that kind of changes everything around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I tell the guys, hey, it's all about finding the right fit. 
what's the fit for you? And and for here, the fit is it's, it's going to uh, be challenging. It's going to be hard. Uh, we're going to have to fight and earn everything we got. But that light at the end of the tunnel is going to be unbelievable. Uh, how would it feel for you to have the most wins in, in school history, uh, to win the uh, first conference championship in the last five years, uh, to bring the first national championship here? Uh, and then, you know, it's up to that kid at that point. You know, some kids come from a, a win in high school, so it's all they know is winning. Uh, so they want to, you know, go to a college that, that has a winning tradition. And you have some guys that, uh, you know, they won a little bit, uh, but they see that the culture that we have here is something that they're accustomed to, something that they're used to, uh, or something that they want to be a part of. They feel like it's something special. So uh, I think in the whole recruiting process, you find out uh, what that kid fit is. Um, and, and from there, you know, you build a relationship, um, and then you hope on, you know, on signing day or when the right decision comes, he wants to be a part of your program. How nice is it, too, you know, to be at, at, at CUC where, you know, you, you guys are in, you know, kind of a metropolitan area. So, obviously, you know, your recruiting footprint's going to be a little bit bigger there in Chicago, you know, as opposed to maybe something like, like a co, and, and you have a, a bunch of other, you know, D3 and whatever programs in Iowa. But, you know, how big of an advantage is that for you guys as well, knowing you have, you know, the, the third largest city in the U.S. and, and all the things that kind of go along with it, you know, as far as, you know, internships and job opportunities when kids do get out of college. You hit it right on the nose. Uh, having a third largest city uh, opens us up for opportunity to recruit guys from all over. You look on our roster, uh, we got about 20 guys from Florida, 10 guys from Texas. We're starting to get some guys from Georgia, Alabama, and California. So for them to have easy access, for us to have two major uh, airports here, uh, helps us a lot with O'Hare um, and then Midway. Those guys are able to fly in, and, uh, and usually those flights are cheap. Uh, so they're, you know, they're not spending arm and leg, whereas though they go to some schools in the middle of nowhere, they got to fly into us and then drive another hour or two to get to their school. So we're very fortunate uh, to have the third largest city to be in Chicago, to have the internship opportunities we have here at a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and then with, you know, with our major helps too. Uh, we have a lot of people that want to go into coaching, uh, so they want to get their education uh, or, you know, become an education major. With us having sports uh, management, sports marketing, they able to uh, work for the Cubs, the White Sox, they able to, you know, hopefully work for the Bulls. But then we got some of the, you know, the, the AAA teams here in a sense that are, are associated with those major uh, sports teams. So they can, you know, work their way up in a sense. Uh, then we got Homeland Security here in town. Uh, one of my good buddies is uh, he, he's higher up there, so we're able to get some guys. You know, hopefully that want to do criminal justice, they can do that. And then the computer science uh, is a new one that's, that's starting to blossom now. Uh, we have a really, really good program there, Comp Sci, that a lot of our players on our team are starting to gravitate uh, towards that. Heck yeah! Uh, uh, so, so I'm kind of curious, you know, with being a uh, you know not a Division One school, and so. There's going to be kids that are, are on the precipice or real close to D1 or, you, you know, I, we've had a lot of guys go D1 from our high school and then uh, it, they find out that it's not for them and they end up going to a smaller school or transferring out or the fit's not right. How important is it or, or how do you, you know, travel those waters because you don't want to obviously, you know, just bug a kid completely to death if he's looking at some bigger D1 schools, but you still want to have some type of conversation with them because you want to have a, uh, you know, you want them to know who you are just in case something doesn't work out for them. And, and now you can be someone that they reach out to maybe possibly in the future. I think it's important with trying to build a relationship with that guy, but don't be overbearing. Uh, I think it's like dating, right? When, 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 you know, when I found my girlfriend, I'm pretty sure I was the only guy in the mix and there's probably other guys. If I was to always text her and hound her, she would have probably been like, oh, I don't want this guy. I got to, you know, let me fall back. So I take that, that same approach when, when I'm recruiting with those guys that have some D2s or maybe a preferred walk on the D1. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest when I say, hey, you have unbelievable opportunity uh, to take a D2 or uh, to, to take a D1, but see if it's the right fit first. Don't, don't chase after a school name. Um, don't chase, you know, because they can give a scholarship, see how much the scholarship is. But – Go ahead and see how that coach is. Is that coach going to be there for all four your years? Uh, is that degree something that you want, or is it just going to be a different route that you have to go? So I think just letting those guys know those different avenues and have those conversations with them is very important in the beginning. And then from there, allow that 
uh, that student athlete uh, to make a decision. Well, coach, uh, you know, kind of coming up now here on an hour, uh, and it's been it's been a blast, and it's gone, you know, really quickly. Uh, but before I let you go, kind of the the thing that I always like to ask everybody is now when when you're watching another team and you're watching their offensive line, what's some things their offensive line would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, I want to see how they finish. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, we got a great center here. That I love to watch and, and practice because I know every rep he's going, every rep he's going to finish. Uh, and our, our freshmen learned the hard way where they they didn't stop. Sorry, they stopped before the whistle blew, and this guy will always go until that whistle blew. So he was able to get some pancakes. Kids getting frustrated. So that's the biggest thing I want to see from an old line. Uh, how's he going to finish? Is he going to finish to the whistle? Uh, is he going to run his feet? Does he want to get that pancake? Um, is he nasty? I like my guys to be uh, big, physical, and nasty, and I want them to play through the whistle. How important is that, too? I mean, one last question, Coach. You know, you, being on the defensive side, you're, you're getting kind of the first look at a lot of, you know, the, the kids that you guys bring in, especially on the offensive line, because, you know, you're having to kind of coach up the scout team and get the look. You know, how important is it for those guys to, you know, hey, make a good first impression you know, on the scout team for the defensive coordinator? Because I remember there's a lot of times we'll be sitting in meetings, you know, and the, the D coordinator would be telling, you know, all of us like, hey, man, this guy's going to be a player. This guy looks really, really good. We need to get more out of this guy. I think that's, that's a huge aspect of, you know, those kids that do come in. You got you to play, play your ass off on that scout team. Yeah, and I uh, kind of get an extra uh, leg up because I'm a recruit coordinator here too, so I kind of got an idea of the young guys that we got coming in. Um, but I tell those guys, those, you know, those um, scout team O-line guys is, hey, you have an unbelievable opportunity to get better. You're going up against our starting defense. Uh, so, you, you know, every rep for you should be like a game rep. Uh, and I think our guys see that. You see a lot of young guys, you see what they can do. Uh, maybe we thought they were a tackle and they probably were a better guard. Uh, we thought they were a center and they were a better tackle. So you're able to see different pieces like that and you're able to see what guys got potential. Uh, or, or what guys still got room to grow or wants to grow or want to get better. So that's very important uh, for the program to see our program move forward. And, then, you know, it just translates to other positions too. You can see what receivers or what quarterback or what running back. But, like, we all know it starts in the trenches. And to see those young uh, O-line come together, uh, that's the thing of beauty. Coach, man, it's been a blast. I know, you know, we're making the best out of all these opportunities we get, but it's been awesome for us to be able to, you know, reach out to a lot of guys, talk for an hour, and, and not only that, but, you know, kind of build connections for, for the future. So, man, love to stay in contact with you and, and love to be able to, you know, hopefully get some of our kids recruited and at the same time learn some things from each other. Appreciate what you do, Coach. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, unbelievable uh, chance to, you know, to, to learn from you guys and, uh, spread the word, uh, continue our game. So thank you for taking the time out uh, to allow me to speak. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, Simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.